Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. This is Sports Talk. This is sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. We built this city. We built this city on rock and roll. We built this city. We built this city on rock and Five o'clock hour with you on this Wednesday at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Will East in the studio in place of Michael Borky, who will rejoin us next week. Baby Borky is doing well. That's what Michael told me earlier today. And uh, said he's even sleeping a little bit, so uh, that's good news. Sports Talk, brought to you every day by Mississippi Land Bank. You can find Mississippi Land Bank online at mslandbank.com where they finance and refinance land. They've been doing it for over 100 years. You can get real estate loans, loans for timberland, improvement to your existing land, equipment, operations, production loans, and a whole lot more. They service all of North Mississippi with branch locations in Clarksdale, Kosciuszko, Senatobia, Cleveland, Indianola, Corinth, Tupelo, Starkville, and Louisville. Great people that you are dealing with at Mississippi Land Bank. They will help you. They understand the land financing and refinancing business because they've been doing it for so long, and they'd love to help you. MSLandBank.com, Mississippi Land Bank, where they know the lay of the land. Just after 5 o'clock, so that means it's time for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive one today or tomorrow or the next day at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. They've got some great deals on the F-150, including a little better than $6,000 cash back on the purchase of a 2019 XLT model of the F-150. Plus, you will get a complimentary upgrade of leather seats and a bed liner. I might have actually gone and looked at one earlier today. Great deals at your local Mississippi Ford dealers. All right, let's talk a little Mississippi State, Texas A&M. Hey, Dad, why is it that uh, you think Mississippi State has had the upper hand in this series in recent years? I think it comes down to that under Dan Mullen, especially, State was always a physical, physical football team. And under Kevin Sumlin, A&M was not. They were a finesse football team. So, you know, MSU could just punch them in the mouth and sort of push them around a little bit. Um, and you had enough carryover last year for that to still be the case. You know, with Nick Fitzgerald, he just – Nick Fitzgerald should have gone to Texas circa 1987 because he dominated Texas A&M. They would have loved him in Austin. <laughs> I, he never lost to him as a starter. I think he scored uh, 11, 12 touchdowns in his three games against them. Just absolutely dominated them in all three of his starts against them. So I think that's what it came down to, that the mentality of the team, one was a physical team and one was not, and, and MSU did what you should do in those situations. They pushed A&M around. You know, we've talked in the past about some teams seeming to have another team's number 
Traditionally, LSU has been really, really good against Mississippi State. Mississippi State has been really good against Texas A&M. It, it seems like most teams can point to one team that is like that kind of over the course of an extended period of time. Is there anything about this Mississippi State team that makes you believe that they can kind of continue to have success against the Aggies? Well, I mean, you know, I look at Schrader, and he's sort of cut from the same cloth as Fitzgerald. He's a big physical runner. I think Kylan Hill can run the football, obviously. It's just going to depend on that offensive line. Uh, you know, can they win that matchup up front? If they can, then this could go the same way that it's gone the past three seasons and four of the last five. Uh, but if they can't win that, I mean, and AM's defense is improved over a season ago, uh, especially in the secondary. You know, last year, Fitzgerald, his best passing game was, was against Texas AM. Stephen Gidry had his best game as a receiver against Texas AM. He and Osiris Mitchell were both over 100 yards in that game. Um, so, you know, if State can run the football on Texas A&M, it's going to be a long day for, for the Aggies. But if State can't get the running game going and, you know, they look the last three weeks and they haven't been able to, and I, I think that sort of comes down to the offensive line. If they can't do it, then, no, State, State's not going to be anywhere close to, to beating them. Go back to something that Cole Kubelik talked about yesterday and we saw in Oxford last Saturday night. Texas A&M's offensive line has not been very good. They've not been able to run the football consistently. Obviously, with the injury to Jay Sean Corbin, that kind of changed things a year after Travion Williams had such a monster season. But also, Ole Miss was able to get some pressure fairly consistently on Kellen Mond in the game. I'll be fascinated to see if Mississippi State can do that defensively against A&M this week. They did it against LSU, which was surprising to me. You know, as good as LSU's line is and as quick as Joe Burrow has been getting the ball out. But State made him go to some secondary reads and, and State was able to, to pressure him. They got him on the ground a couple of times. And, you know, I don't mind is not anywhere near the quarterback that Burrow is. So yeah, there's, there's going to be some opportunities there for Chauncey Rivers and that MSU pass rush. All time series, Mississippi State leads seven to five. So this is the 13th meeting. Bulldogs have won three straight and four of the last five. Going back to 2014, beat the Aggies 48 to 31 in Starkville. Lost 30 to 17 in 2015 in College Station. Since then, three in a row: 35 to 28 at home, 35 14 on the road, and then last year, 28 13 in Starkville. State's won three of the four games that have been played in Starkville. Uh, they are two and two against Texas A&M in College Station. So that is coming up on Saturday. Got an early kickoff for this game. 11 a.m. is the uh, the kick time on the uh, the SEC Network for Mississippi State and Texas A&M on Saturday. Ole Miss obviously has an open date this weekend. Rippy, what do you think it is that Ole Miss, through these final four games of the regular season, after playing eight straight, they've got four with two open dates in the last six weeks of the year, uh, what is it that they've got to focus on over the final four games? Finding an offensive identity. They were forced into one when... Corral got hurt, and they did the Pumley thing for the couple games, and then Corral comes back, and Pumley struggles in the beginning of the game against uh, Missouri, and then they kind of worked well together for parts of that game, and then last week obviously was pretty much a complete disaster. They did some nice things, but finding an offensive identity, uh, getting healthy, it sounds like they've got seven or eight guys hurt, but none of them are seriously in danger of missing the Auburn game. I'm not sure if I buy all of that. Do you think Jerrion Ely's back for the Auburn game? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, concussion protocol is so hard to tell. I, I don't know. Uh, but, I mean, Plumlee has a minor knee procedure and is going to be ready to play a football game less than two weeks after it happens. I'm not saying that. I'm not a doctor in that sense. So was that a deal where they just went in and kind of cleaned some things up? I don't know. We didn't get any information on that. So, I don't know. Get healthy and find out 
your offensive identity and try to score points. What's got more than the other if they want to win? What's got to happen in the final four games of the year for Ole Miss fans to be excited about next year? To be honest, I would think that ship has sailed. I mean, if they win the Egg Bowl, I think a few people will get riled up, or if they scare Auburn or LSU somehow and make it close or something like that. But I think that ship sailed. In terms of excitement for the 2020 season? I don't think anyone is thinking about the 2020 season, nor cares, to be completely honest. They're just checked out. Hmm. And getting them back in, I guess, is what I'm talking about as far as the ship has sailed. And that was their last coin flip game, and they lost it. I mean, I guess it states another one, the last one. So th- that was the second to last one. But again. So maybe the only way that Ole Miss fans get excited, kind of for the end of the season and turning the page toward next year, is if they pull an upset on the road against Auburn, beat New Mexico State, and beat Mississippi State. Which would get you to bowl eligibility. I mean, I guess so. People get excited for different things and different reasons, and there's all kinds of levels of degrees and of interest in this football team right now. But sure, I mean, get it, them getting to a bowl, I'm sure, would get people reinvigorated. I just don't necessarily see it. That, I mean, it's not necessarily a comfortable conversation, but that certainly leads to a larger conversation about the future of the program and where this thing is headed when there's so much uncertainty you, know, you, you you finally have a chancellor, not that people are overwhelmingly excited about that. No disrespect intended, it's just the truth. Well, why not? Yeah. Um, don't know the direction this thing is headed from an athletics director standpoint. And don't know what a new AD is going to do about a football coach, whether it's this year or in the future. But the, the, for that to be the case, the new AD would have to be in place in the next, I mean, I guess it's, it's certainly possible the next three, four weeks to really make a change. Now, you're not going to hire an AD and him make the change in January. It make no sense. No, you're right. You're right. I'm not saying you were insinuating that, but I'm saying if that's going to be a conversation that's had right now this year, then that you're going to need to get the athletic director in place in the next month, three weeks, probably months, probably. I mean, it's October 20. I mean, unless, watch no unless you have a brand new chancellor who decides that he wants to put that on his plate right out of the gate. Because Seems that like, worked so well for them last time is when the <laughs> chancellor got involved with hirings and such. I, I understand what you're saying. Have I got any gum? <laughs> Jeez. Anyway. You're going gumballs joke? <laughs> no, nah, anyway. No, he did. He did do it. I don't think, I, I don't think that Actually, I don't know, but I I would think they need an AD in place in the next three to four weeks for that to be an actual conversation to be had. As far as this year, all signs point to this being 2020, like 2020 being the results or something's going to happen year, and that's a year where you play Baylor and then your first three SEC games are LSU, Alabama, Auburn. I don't remember what order that is, but those are your first three. Yeah, the schedule gets a little more manageable on the back end next year. It is not an easy opening month of the season by any stretch that is your college football fix driven by ford and your local mississippi ford dealers coming up next we'll go to the farm bureau phone line and talk with jack uh, jeff tarpley from gigam 24 7 gigam 247 talk some aggies as they get set to host mississippi state this is a place for crazy people if it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi.
you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Brian Scott Rippey, Will East in the studio. Right now we'll go to the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team. Jeff Tarpley from Gigum 247 covers Texas A&M on your radio right now. Jeff, thanks for some of your time. What's up, man? Not much. How are you guys doing? Doing well. So the Aggies trying to make it two in a row against schools from Mississippi. Came to Oxford, got the win on Saturday night against Ole Miss, and now hosting Mississippi State, a team that they've lost to three in a row. We were talking just a few minutes ago about why it is that sometimes certain teams seem to have your number or you seem to have their number. What do you think it is about Mississippi State that has been a consistent issue for Texas A&M? Mississippi State was a it has been in the past a very, very physical ball club, and that's carried over to how they played A&M. They were able to run the ball. They were able to stop the run. They were able to make A&M predictable in the passing game. And even under Kevin Sumlin, A&M always, had, always struggled to match what intensity Mississippi State brought to the table. And as a result... A&M just did not fare well against Mississippi State. I think things are probably going to change a bit this year given what's happened in Starkville, given the losses that they've had for various reasons. Uh, A&M is a more physical program under Jimbo Fisher. That didn't help last year. I think it's going to help this year. Thinking to last Saturday night, uh, Kellen Mond made some plays, especially late in the game with his feet, but Ole Miss was able to put some pressure on him. Three or four sacks in the ball game, and they were able to kind of get in his face. It it seems like over the course of his tenure as the quarterback at A&M, when teams have pressured him, it's caused him not to be his best. Now, I know that's not like breaking news. Most quarterbacks don't play as well if they're being pressured consistently this Texas A&M offensive line, there's some big dudes up front, but they haven't necessarily been great in protection. Does that change at all for you on Saturday? You know, A&M's line struggled last year somewhat in pass protection. They were a line that benefited from being able to run the football and stay out of those longer yardage situations. Uh, I think in response, you know, they've had some of the same struggles this year, except that what's been added in is – they haven't run the ball as well. As a result, there's been more pressure put on mine, not just to throw the ball well, but also to kind of be the focal point in the running game to an extent, unfortunately for AM. However, I think the one thing that Mon tends to do, well, there's a couple of things really. One is he kind of tends to hold the football along at times, uh, wanting to make a play. And then the other thing is he wants to make the play as opposed to maybe just throwing it away and going, you know, getting past that whatever moment he's in and getting to the next play, next series, whatever. I think he has, he does tend to play better at home. Uh, his quarterback rating, I think, is about 25 points higher at home than it is, uh, at, on the road or at neutral sides. Uh, unfortunate, you know, fortunately for him, unfortunately for Mississippi State, this game's at Kyle Field, and that does tend to make a difference in his play, and I think you'll see that on Saturday. Mike Elko absolutely committed to trying to kind of slow down the running game, but not just the running game in particular. I guess Ole Miss went for 250 or so on the ground, but really focusing on John Rice Plumley and limiting what he was able to do in the running game and had a lot of success. 
Ole Miss, I guess, to a lot of degrees so far this year has been one-dimensional offensively. What do you anticipate, given what you know about Mississippi State, kind of the defensive game plan being for Saturday? Last year, A&M did a very, very good job of stopping Mississippi State for the most part on the ground until Nick Fitzgerald broke the game open late with that long touchdown run that kind of sealed it for the Bulldogs. I think you'll see Elko do much of the same thing this Saturday. He's a guy that really likes to roll safety up into the box, or as he did against Ole Miss when they got to A&M inside the field, particularly inside the 30-yard line. He tended to uh, roll a safety over and blitz a nickel or a corner and fill another gap to take away whatever options John Rice Plumley had in the running game. I think you'll see a lot more of that this Saturday because Ole Miss, again, you know, and this is kind of interesting, it'll be the third freshman quarterback that A&M's faced this season. So, yeah. you know, those guys tend to tend to struggle and not be able to make plays. And I think for Mississippi State, and especially with their running game, that they're going to you – know, Elko's going to do the same thing. He's going to get a lot of guys in the box. He's going to make Mississippi State do some things that it doesn't want to do in the passing game. He's that kind, you know, he's that kind of coach, that kind of philosophy. And again, I think this is something that weighs in A&M's favor going into this game. This next three-week stretch, and I know there's, I guess I should say four-week stretch because there's an open date mixed in as well, and and we'll all just talk chalk Texas San Antonio up as as a win. But given where A&M sits right now at four and three. And knowing what looms at the end of the schedule with back-to-back road trips to Georgia and LSU, I mean, th- this is the season, right? Mississippi State at home, UTSA at home, South Carolina at home. You, you got to win all three of these, right? Well, you know, everybody talked before the season about the fact that A&M faced, you know, was going to face four top ten teams in the preseason. As it turns out, they've not only faced two number one teams, <laughs> and who knows, maybe if LSU beats Bama, could be a third. Uh, could be a third, and and with Auburn beating Oregon like they did in the first weekend of the season, they they faced five top ten teams. Uh, but the real way to look at you know, so that's one way to look at. It, but here's another way to look at it. They will they by the end of the season, in all likelihood, they will face four quarterbacks who are going in the first round of the NFL draft. Depending on how you feel about Jake Fromm, but that's a, a pretty realistic viewpoint that they're they're going to be facing some really upper echelon guys uh, throughout the season. The upside of that is, though, that they've also been going to wind up facing four freshman quarterbacks. So while things have been difficult on the top end, they're not so much on the bottom end. And you've got Kellen Mond. Is Kellen Mond a first-round draft pick right now? Absolutely not. But he's also not a freshman quarterback who's going to go out and he's really going to struggle get the football down the field. He's going to be able to make some plays in the running game with his legs. He's going to do a pretty good job of getting in into the right protections, and he's going to get him in the right running plays and maximize his ability that way as a complementary football player. So from that standpoint, yeah, you, you – you know, A and M's face some really difficult opposition at the top end, but they've but they're also, as we're going to find out, probably they're better than the teams at the bottom end. And yes, they've got to make hay because they do have that two game stretch at the end of the season. And if they're going to put themselves in position and grow as a football team to be relatively relatively competitive and give themselves their best chance to win in that two game stretch at the end of the year, then they've got to make strides 
you know, not just against Ole Miss in terms of learning how to win despite not playing their best game, but also kind of doing the same things and maybe growing as a football team during these next few weeks. Gigum 247 is the website. Jeff Tarpley on your radio. Kevin Sumlin largely lost his job for winning seven or eight or nine games every year. If this season plays out to chalk, where A&M wins basically every game it's favored in and loses every game that it's not favored in, and then wins a bowl game to get to eight, are Aggie fans okay with that as long as year three is perceived as a, a big step forward? I think most everybody understands that this season was was going to be a difficult season to begin with because of the schedule. Yeah. I, I don't think, you know, I, I think there were people that thought, hey, look, you might steal one of those four games from a top 10 team, and then that might get you going a little bit better than what you thought you would. Maybe, maybe you're the, you know, you're, you're a New Year's six type of team going into 2020. Maybe you're a foot, you're a play, you know, college football playoff team going into 2020. Uh, but so the expectations this year, even though A&M was ranked 12th going into the season, they weren't super high. Everybody thought that A&M would be, I, I think the biggest problem has been A&M just hasn't been as competitive against Clemson. Uh, the, the Auburn game really shook everybody up because A&M just really yeah. got out-muscled in that game. It brought back bad memories of how A&M teams looked under someone when the same thing happened to them. Uh, from A&M's standpoint, though, what they've got to try to do is get through this season when they're playing. You know, Not only did they lose quite a few guys that went to the NFL draft last season, they've had quite a few injuries this season. Uh, sure. Top two running backs from the spring are gone. So, fighting through all that, playing week to week, trying to find a way to get better, and then setting themselves up for more of a run in 2020 that people anticipate. They're gonna, you know, they've only got five, six seniors this season. Uh, they're not. You know they're a young team to an extent, but they do they they have had quite a few upperclassmen in the starting twenty two. I think they've had I, I think seventeen up uh, for most of the season until the Ole Miss game when some injuries have, have kind of affected them. But yeah. this is a team that, in all likelihood, people will want to see more progress next year. I think you will see more progress. The schedule is going to be a lot easier, and so you're going to see the type of win totals that everybody. Wanted to, you know, wants to see long term, and everybody then you, focused and then the on twenty twenty, and and things go from there. Jeff, thanks so much for your time. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming online at supertalk.fm. So, hey, Dad, you said you stuck with it all the way through last night. Uh, game two of the NBA doubleheader on opening night. In game one, 
You had Toronto winning in overtime against the Zionless New Orleans Pelicans. Pretty entertaining game. And for a little local flavor in that game, Terrence Davis played last night. You remember he got the uh, the two-year contract with Toronto uh, during the offseason. And in his NBA debut, pretty darn good outing. Terrence Davis plays 15 minutes. He had five points, five rebounds, two assists, and two steals. If he can play like that, he's going to get a bunch of minutes. They only played eight guys last night, and he was one of the three that came off the bench. Oh, is Rippy uh-huh. gone? <laughs> yeah, Rip, no, I said, hey, Dad. Uh, I did, I'm sorry. I, yeah, I, Rip, no, Rippy Terrence, had to go to practice. You're talking about Terrence Davis, so I just, you know, we're going to default to, to Rippy. Okay. Yes, you're absolutely correct. That's a, that's a, a good, impressive debut, especially for talking about a guy who's an undrafted free agent. I mean, any kind of positive contribution you get from those players is what gets them more and more minutes because when you, when your baseline expectation is, well, we don't really know how much we can get from this guy and he delivers something, you want to yeah. see what you can get from him you know, going forward in terms of a bigger role. And obviously the Raptors are now without Kawhi, but Siakam had a get big game. He fouled out, though, late with 34 points and 18 rebounds. 34 points out of Fred Van Vliet last night on 5 of 7 from 3. 22 from Kyle Lowry. And then Serge Ibaka off the bench had 13 points. So that's still a pretty good team. I mean, they're not going to be an yeah. NBA champion team without Kawhi, but that's still a pretty good basketball team. And I think it's it's a positive for the Pelicans as well, in terms of they went up there without Zion, and yeah. you know we're in the game, had the lead late in the game, and just couldn't hold on to it. And you know to go to go on the road and, and in front of a that kind of atmosphere where they're 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 handing out the rings and they're lowering the banner and all that, and in front of that crowd, you know, that's that speaks well for the Pelicans. They're going to be in it all year too. Yeah, it was tied at one seventeen at the end of the reg- of regulation. I don't think the Pelicans are a playoff team uh, at this point. JJ Redick. Uh, who just continues to play well and continues to make money in the NBA. He's been doing that for a really long time. Had 16. He hit four threes. Brandon Ingram had 22 last night. Uh, Drew Holiday had 13 last night. A couple of guys off the uh, off the bench contributed as well. That was not the showcase game, though. That may have been the reigning champs and banner night and ring night and all that good stuff, but the showcase game happened at Staples Center, and it was a 10-point win for the Clippers. 112 102. The Lakers started Anthony Davis. He played like Anthony Davis, 25 and 10. Uh, LeBron last night had 18 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. So he's really close to a triple double, which is kind of what you uh, what you would expect from him. Uh, they had a nice game out of Danny Green. Uh, Danny Green, who's been in the league for a while now, uh, goes for 28 points. In fact, he was the leading scorer for the Lakers last night. But off the bench, not a lot. No, not a lot from that team off the bench. And obviously missing Kyle Kuzma and Rajon Rondo is, is part of that. Those are two key contributors that the Lakers didn't have. But as a Lakers fan, Richard, all I could think about watching that game was if Kawhi had picked the Lakers, they might go 82-0. and <laughs> that, that guy is really, he is really, really good. Patrick Beverly for the Clippers had two points. Okay. But it was the most Patrick... Beverly game ever. Yeah, you just did 31 really minutes. Yeah. He was plus 13 in the plus minus. So he has two points, 10 rebounds, six assists, a block. I know he took at least one charge from Anthony Davis, maybe more he than did. that in the game. Yeah. 
and Kawhi Leonard goes for 30 in his debut. He yeah. might be kind of good. Yeah, and I mean, and for the Clippers, no Paul George. So, I mean, both of, neither one of these teams were at full strength, and they put on that kind of game. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, the rest of the nope. way through when, once how, those guys get healthy. How about this for the Clippers? No Paul George. Kawhi Leonard was the only starter in double figures. He had 30, but they had four guys off the bench all in double figures. Yeah, the, their their bench was definitely the difference in the in this basketball game. You know, the Lakers and, and LeBron. You know, you you look at that stat line, you're like, wow, it's, that's not bad. But in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, he you know when normally that's LeBron's time to shine, did not did not do so. Was not effective in the turned fourth it over quarter. five times. Yeah, and and just that was part of the. You know, the Lakers were down, I think, ten. They went on a fifteen nothing run to make it a, a get a three point lead, and from there it just they just collapsed. Yeah. So, so your scenario just a moment ago was they're going eighty-two and zero if they also get Kawhi. Well, they're not yeah. going eighty-two and zero. We all know that. A little hyperbole yeah. there. But the thing is, aren't the Clippers going to do the roster load management or the load management deal with Kawhi again, and he's going to play in sixty to sixty-five games so that he's ready to roll for the playoffs? Uh I don't know. I don't know if that's true or not. But I mean, it wouldn't it wouldn't they, they can afford to do that because that team's good enough to win some games without him? I think. Yeah. Games tonight in the NBA. Chicago's at Charlotte. Detroit is at Indiana. Cleveland opens at Orlando. Minnesota's in Brooklyn. Uh, Memphis is at Miami for the season opener. Here's a good one on ESPN at 630. Boston at Philly. That'll be a good game. Washington is at Dallas tonight. The Knicks are in San Antonio. Good luck with that, New York. Uh, OKC goes to Utah. Sacramento is at Phoenix. And then the late game, this one could be a lot of fun also. Denver at Portland. That's yeah, that at 9 o'clock tonight on ESPN. That should be a high-scoring affair. I was just thinking the same thing. I wanted to see what the total was in that game. Denver's a one-point favorite on the road. I'll have to dig a little deeper to uh, find the total. My guess is it's, what, 245? That's, that's a I fair a number, yeah. Big number. Let's see if we can find it here. I'll uh, let me dig for it. I'll find it for you here in just a second. Sports Talk Mississippi. The ceasefire text line is open 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395-217 is the total. Ooh, I would take the over on that. That's surprising. Yeah. Um, that's almost like that's almost like one of those numbers that. Somebody knows something there. Yeah, so there's an I know something you don't know. Yeah, I wouldn't, maybe, that one. don't bet it. Don't bet it. Abort. Uh, let's see. Utah's a big favorite against Oklahoma City tonight, nine points. Mavericks are a nine-point favorite over the Wizards. San Antonio, a ten-and-a-half-point favorite over the Knicks. Uh, Magic are a nine-and-a-half-point favorite over Cleveland. So not a bunch of huge lines tonight. But, We're going to pick uh, our, our, our pick of the day out of these? Uh no, I'm going to the World Series. Okay. You want to do that right now? Let's do it. Pearl River Resort pick of the day brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge, which is where we will be tomorrow. Excellent. We'll be back in Philadelphia at the Golden Moon Casino. Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Great stuff going. We'd love to see you if you are in the area. So last night... Game one of the World Series, you get um, you get a win for the road team, for the Washington Nationals. And so you roll back tonight to game two. Houston in a must-win spot. Great pitching matchup tonight with Strasburg on the mound for the Nationals. 
and Verlander on the mound for the Astros. The odds are not quite as outlandish as they were last night. Um, Houston is minus 180 on the money line. The total in this game is 7. Last night, the total was 6.5. I would not be shocked at all by a low-scoring pitcher's duel tonight. But even though the odds are a little longer at minus 180, I'm going to lay that tonight and say Houston evens it up at a game apiece. Got to like the Astros to get a game back here. I I would totally agree with that. Hmm. Well, that's tough to lay $180 to win $100. It is. It is. But, I mean, you should feel pretty good about it, I think. That's why they play the game, right? Indeed. Of course, getting, uh, you know, I, I would be pretty interested to go back through the year and look and see how many times you were the underdog with Steven Strasburg on the mound. Yeah, it's not many. Going back Probably to didn't happen a lot. In high school, too, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, no, we'll go with the Astros on the money line at minus 180 tonight for the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. Brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Uh, Richard Cross, Brian Haydad with you for the rest of the afternoon. What about some early lines? We'll stick with the lines, and that's kind of where we will wrap things up coming up in uh, in just a few minutes. Mississippi State is a 10-point underdog in College Station. Never mind making our picks yet. We'll do that on uh, on Friday. Does that number, from a Vegas standpoint, feel about right to you going into this one? Yeah, I would think and it, it makes sense to be there because you just don't trust State to score a whole ton of points. Yeah. Well, and you heard Jeff Tarpley say a little while ago from uh, Gigum 24-7 that Kellen Mond, about 25 points better in terms of passer rating at home than he is on the road. What about the rest of the teams in the SEC? We'll look at the numbers surrounding those games. When we come back to wrap it up with you on this Wednesday afternoon in the Renaissance Bank studio, Renaissance Bank, understanding you. Mississippi, right here on Supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. time with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along on this Wednesday afternoon. All right, so we're looking at lines for games involving SEC teams coming up this weekend. Uh, Obviously, Ole Miss not included in this because they are off after playing eight straight to start the year. Rebels get their first open date of the week uh, of the year. Uh, Their final open date will come the week before the Egg Bowl. So Mississippi State, a 10-point favorite in College Station against Texas A&M. I'm sorry, a 10-point underdog. LSU's a 10-point favorite at home against Auburn. 
LSU was a 17, 17 and a half point favorite against Mississippi State on the road last week. There's obviously a lot of respect here for Auburn's defense. That that's the only way. Ten is a number that makes sense on this, right? Well, I mean, Auburn. You say that Auburn's a top ten team. I mean, I know you and I both sort of know yeah, what Auburn yeah, but. is, but on the surface, you're you a tenth. Between two top ten teams, ten's a lot of points. But you're right. I mean, the fact that Auburn is good defensively is the only reason this game has a chance to be close. And even then, I think it's going to be sort of a similar situation. Maybe not as badly as it was last Saturday, but LSU will lead the whole game and they'll pull away late. Would you be even remotely surprised if the final score looked like it did last weekend in Starkville? I think Auburn can can keep it a little closer. Maybe something like 28-14, something like that. So you're going four touchdown passes for Joe Burrow? No, we'll we'll get Edwards Hilaire on the end on the ground for one of them. They're due a, a pick six too. With those. all those guys in the secondary, they're due a defensive touchdown. Mm. Bo Nix might be just the guy to give him one. He, he he'll give you the ball. South Carolina goes to Knoxville this weekend. Gamecocks are a four and a half point favorite. I have no idea what Tennessee is going to do at quarterback. Yeah, I mean Brian Mowers yeah. our guy, but he's gotten hurt. He's, yeah. In each of the last two games that he started, is he for sure out this week? I don't think they've said. But they can't go back to Garantano, though. So. What's their other option? Marquez Callaway and the Wildcat. The... Go, go, go the Kentucky route. Jeez. I mean, it, it feels like... I'm with you. I mean, it feels like you can't go back to Garantano, but... They have to have a third quarterback. How does Tennessee not have but two quarterbacks? There's got to be somebody else on the roster that plays quarterback, right? Yeah, but, I mean, if they were any good, don't you think that Jeremy Pruitt already would have perhaps gone down that route? Uh, Maybe. I mean, the guy didn't know what asparagus was. I, I can't completely trust him in any decision. South Carolina, they were competitive against Florida. And if a couple of calls go differently in that game, I'm not so sure that South Carolina doesn't find a way to steal that one at home. And yet they got the loss. They're a good, bad team. They're bad, but they're good enough to make you sweat for some games. They'll win this one, though, I think. Big number in Fayetteville. Alabama is a 35-point favorite against Arkansas with Mac Jones starting at quarterback against whoever Arkansas runs out. Is this, this the weekend Tua. where we go, oh, Alabama can still run the football? <laughs> it could be that way. I mean, if this was Tua, I wonder what the line would be. It might be like 46, 47 points. Um, it would be that big, but I, I would think You don't think Tua 40, is worth 10 points 42. in this game? Yeah, but I mean, at some point, you're like, come on. I mean, they lost to, to Auburn, who is not a good offensive football team, by 41. Okay, how about this? If the line was 45 and Tua was playing, are you telling me that you would lay 45 points? Roll Tide. If it was 47, we're probably still there. 49, right, seven now, touchdowns. Now you may have may have broken me because I mean if they went, they could win 49 nothing and push. So that, that 45, I would take. I would take with Tua. I mean, 55 to 10 is a push if it's a 45-point line. I don't think Arkansas is going to score in this game. I think they're going to win something like 
like 42 nothing, 45 nothing, something like that. Doesn't this feel like a bounce back week for Missouri? It better be. My They're God, an 11 point back favorite to back Kentucky. To, they lose back to back at Vandy and Kentucky. Fire Barry Odom. What is wrong with you? Yeah, but I'm I overreact to that. Of, I'm sorry, but geez. No, I, I get what you're saying, but I'm talking about in terms of like margin of victory. Oh, you mean they'll win the big win? Yeah, uh, like like thirty eight defensively. Maybe something like that. Maybe I thought you meant like forty or something. Yeah, yeah, that could happen. Thirty eight seventeen, sure. I mean, forty is only two away from thirty eight. You know what I'm trying to say. I meant by they win by like forty. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily see it be 45-7. to seven. I mean, they still only gave up 21 against Vanderbilt, and Vanderbilt is better offensively than only Kentucky. Only 21 right to Vanderbilt. I understand, but they're better offensively than Kentucky. Eh. Six and one, half dozen the other. Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge tomorrow, starting at 3 o'clock in the Renaissance Bank studio. Thanks for being with us on a Wednesday. Adios. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.